As we've been saying over the past few weeks, that beginning this week, we are going to be looking at uh, the leadership of church and the uh, interrelationship between the church and the leadership and trying to promote more uh, fellowship amongst ourselves and with our, our leaders. And if you talk about church leadership, there are so many passages in the New Testament you can turn to. And so we're going to be, over these weeks, looking at various passages. And today we're going to look at one in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter identifies with the elders of the churches he's writing to, uh, saying that he is an elder too, and gives them some encouragement. So let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the Word of God. And if you will, please remain standing, and we'll sing the song that follows. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, we were talking about in the elders meeting the other night, I believe, that uh, each generation kind of has its strengths and weakness. A generation comes along and looks back at what happened before and sees some things lacking and tries to correct them, and oftentimes they do, but in doing so, uh, we make our own mistakes, and so the generation that follows us will see the weaknesses that we had and begin to work on them as well. Well, in sort of looking over my past years of ministry, one of the things that's always kind of bothered me about uh, my generation, how we move through and everything, is that we began to emphasize spirituality over church. Uh, you know, it, it's more and more the idea that, yeah, I'm going to be a spiritual person, I'm going to be a Christian, but organized religion, church, is not as relevant to that as my own personal relationship with God. Well, granted, we do need to have a personal relationship with God, and that is uh, is very important, and it's emphasized that whenever we become Christians, that we have peace with God, and that relationship is formed, and we need to nurture it and to develop it. However, you don't have to read much of the New Testament to begin seeing that the church is really important to God as well. Not just individual Christians, but he put together this whole thing that he calls church, the called out people, the family of God. And he, he is concerned about not only how we function as individuals, but he is concerned about our ability to come together and to be the people of God and to work together. Now, that is emphasized in so many ways, but in one way that it really comes to the forefront is in looking, my clicker's not working, come on. Do you have the arrow in the right place? There we go. One way that it is really emphasized is that how quickly the people like Paul who were out establishing churches, as soon as they established a church, one thing they did is they wanted to get it organized. And one of the first things they did is made sure that there were leaders in place. For example, 
and that's the wrong passage, by the way. I mean, the Acts 2 part. It's not Acts 2. I believe it's Acts 13. All right? In Acts 13, Paul has taken his first missionary journey. And he's gone into areas that had never heard the gospel before. And he's preached the gospel. He's baptized people. And as he works his way through that area, finally he gets to the point where he realizes it's time to go back home. And so what he does is he goes back and retraces his steps and makes sure that each church that he worked with, he has elders in place, that that church is an organized church. And after they had appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting, they entrusted them to the Lord in whom they had had come to believe. So here it is, just weeks after these churches had started, just weeks after these people had become Christians, Paul wanted to make sure that they were organized into a group and that that group had leadership and that it could continue and it could function and it could do the work that God wanted it to do. Another passage is in Acts chapter 20, verse 17. And in this passage, Paul is on his last missionary journey. And he is going back through and visiting some of the churches once again. And he goes by Ephesus. And Ephesus was a very dear church to him. Because Ephesus was the church that he spent the longest amount of time, as far as we can tell. Almost three years he spent preaching with the church at Ephesus. Well, he can't go to Ephesus. He's in a hurry to get to Jerusalem. But he gets to a little island called Miletus, and he calls for the elders to come and see him. And it says, from Miletus, he, Paul, sent a message to Ephesus asking the elders of the church to meet with him. And as they come and they meet with him, it's a very emotional meeting, and he's giving them instruction because he says, you know, I probably will not see you again. And in the midst of those instructions, he says this in verse 28, keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own son. Now, that's a very touching encouragement that he gives to them. He warns them also that that it's not going to be easy, that there are going to be funny ideas come up, there's going to be bad people come into the church, and that the, the leadership is responsible for keeping this thing on track. Now, one reason I wanted to show you that first part of the passage and then this part is because this is one of the several places in the New Testament that we begin to pick up on the idea that the leadership of a church is called to do several different things. Do you remember when he called them, he called the elders to come to him? But here, what does he call them? He calls them overseers, and he tells them to shepherd. And that's one thing we want to stop and look at as we begin to think about the leadership of this church, that there are really three different titles that that the leadership of the church is referred to in the Bible. And, And by looking at those different titles, we can begin to understand what it is that God is calling these leaders to do. One of the terms is elders. Another term is bishops, overseers, depends on your translation, And the other one is pastors. Now, all three of these words in their Greek form occur several times throughout Scripture in either noun form or verb form, saying this is what leaders in the church do. 
Well, what do these mean? Well, elder, the basic meaning of elder, of course, is that someone is elder, older. And not necessarily older in age, although some age is implied there because you can't really mature without spending some years, can you? But the whole idea is that someone is, is mature. Uh, someone has really developed. And here, of course, we're as interested in anything in spiritual maturity. Someone that is, ha, ha, is well-seasoned and, and can be a leader from that standpoint. Now, when we talk about uh, elders or the leaders of the church as elders, we're really emphasizing that the church is a family. And we have elders and families. We have the, the patriarch of a family. We have those who are the leaders of the family. So therefore, what the function of an elder would be, if you're talking about elders, is that elders give direction, they teach, they, they give wisdom. You could also add other things, discipline even, and things like that, that, that as a father or as, as, as one of the parents in a family functions, that's the, what an elder is called to do within the body of Christ. Bishop, if you're reading your old King James Bible or one of those uh, older translations, you'll see the word bishop a lot. Now, the newer translations have sort of gone past that word because it's not a word that we use a lot anymore and, and usually use something like overseer or a steward or a manager. Now, that's what that word is. This was not a religious word to begin with. In fact, most of the words in the New Testament that have come to have very religious meanings to us, like even baptism, they were just common everyday words. Baptism meant that you put something under the water. But in our way, of, since we refer to it in, in religious setting, it's become a very religious word. Uh, well, this is just another word that, that meant you ran an organization. So guess what the emphasis is when you're talking about a leader of the church as a bishop or an overseer, the emphasis is that the church is an organization. That, that, that's not all it is, but it is an organization. That, that to have people come together and work together and be together takes managerial skills. And we need some people who are managing things for this church to function as the organization that it is. So therefore... The function of these people are to organize people in tasks, to get us into groups where we can do things, to, to get uh, the, the, the tasks lined out so we'll know what it is we're called to do, even to manage the financial matters. And ultimately, the leaders of a church are responsible for the monies that come in. It's interesting, Paul is on his way when he stops and visits with the church in Ephesus or the elders of the church in Ephesus, and he has all this money with them that he has collected, and guess who he gives it to when he gets to Jerusalem? To the elders, because ultimately they are responsible. Now, wise elders delegate that uh, to people that know how to manage money, and, and they, they, they seek assistance on how the money goes out and how they spent, but ultimately they're still responsible for what is done financially within a church. And they also are called upon then to call the church to vision and to, uh, to lay out before the church its, its order and what it is that the church is to do. Finally, the word pastor comes along. This is a word that a lot of uh, religious groups use more than we do, a lot of Christian traditions, but it is a very biblical word. And its basic meaning, of course, is to shepherd. A pastor is a shepherd. We get the same word uh, pastoral 
uh, to think about rural and all of that. You know, we, we see how that comes. Well, shepherds uh, were, elders were called upon or leaders were called upon to shepherd as well. So the emphasis is, of course, is that the church is like a flock of sheep. Uh, not the most complimentary thing for us. Uh, the, the Sunday after next, Ed Houston is going to share with us a little bit about what he's learned about church by knowing sheep so well. Uh, so you make sure you're here that Sunday, because uh, I know that that's going to be a very interesting discussion. But we realize if you read the Bible much at all, that, that many times God's people are referred to as sheep and as a flock. And so therefore a flock needs shepherds. And what, how does a shepherd function? Well, it nurtures and cares and provides for the flock. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we understand that pretty well. All right, well, the point of all this is that being a leader in the church, there's a lot of jobs to do. And therefore, uh, you have to have multi-gifted people doing this. But we also recognize that no one person can do all of those tasks. And our elders recognize that as well, that each elder has certain strengths, and so therefore they have organized themselves internally, uh, and they are, have put themselves together into teams and tried to put the elders on each team who, dis, who exhibit strengths in those certain areas so that all the work can be done. Now, one thing about it, this is not the shepherd groups we're going to be talking about later. This is internal organization among themselves. And we wanted to show that organization to you today and also to give you a chance to make sure you know who all our elders are and what areas of work that they primarily work in. The teams are administrative and then also issues, conflicts, and watchkeeping, preaching, teaching, and missions, and then serving others. Four different teams of elders, uh, each with three elders on them. We're going to call these teams up here at this time and make sure that you can put faces with names and let one of the elders then share with you what these do. The administrative team, first of all, Alan Price, Roy Smith, and Don Foster. We have um, Alan and Don with us today. And I'm going to click to the next slide, and then if you'll go back, please. But this is Royce. Most of y'all know Royce, and he's not able to be with us for early service. He'll be here for second service. Royce, as most of you know, faces some health challenges these days, but we wanted you to make sure you know his face. Now, if you'll go back to the other one, thanks. What a, a bishop is, that, that's the, the role of the administrative team. Uh, as you can realize, a, a church of this size, uh, there's a lot of business things that have to be taken care of. Uh, things dealing with the facilities, with staff, uh, insurance things, legal things, all those kind of things uh, require some attention. And so that's what the administrative team uh, is designed to look at first. And, and like a lot of these teams you'll hear about, Sometimes the administrative team will just make a decision. Sometimes our role is to gather information and come up with recommendations to the elder body. Uh, but let me also mention we've, we've tried hard and done a pretty good job of the elders not having to spend so much time with these bishop types or bros so we can concentrate on some of the other things. We have great staff. Uh, Brian and Gina in the office take care of a lot of those kind of things just there on their own. When they're not able to, they are great information gatherers and they gather information and facts for us and bring it to the administrative team so that we can deal with it quickly and easily. 
And also let me mention, you make our jobs a whole lot easier uh, in, in this role in that in most churches, uh, there's a lot of time spent how to allocate money and there's always something to do that you, you can't do because you don't have enough money. Because of your generosity, yes, there's always going to be something that we would like to do more for, uh, but because of your generosity, that, that job is made much easier for us. Let me say that that was Alan Price, and the other one was Don Foster. And how did Don get out without saying anything? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Okay, the next team is Issues, Conflicts, Watchkeeping, David Gay, Ron Bland, and Mitch Freeman. And I don't have a picture of Ron, and I don't see Ron here. Okay. Freeman. And he's going to stand here and look good today, just like Don did. Uh, our group is the Issues, Conflicts, Watchkeeping team. And it sounds kind of ominous, but uh, it's, it's really not. Uh, as issues come up in a congregation, uh, we're all human, and we see evidence of that. Uh, even in the New Testament, when some of the apostles didn't always get along or agree uh, to everything. And that can happen in a congregation. We're very fortunate we have a loving group here and uh, it's not real often that we have major issues or conflicts. But we're human and sometimes things come up and our group is to uh, address those issues, uh, hopefully reach uh, a resolution to those. But also our job is, is even more positive too and that's uh, partly as encouragement encouraging all of us to live holy lives and to restore those that are entangled in, in sin, to gently restore those. Uh, our job is to keep watch over the congregation, uh, our flock here, and ourselves also. Now, we do that as an elder group. Uh, and again, I, I appreciate what was said earlier about our staff. Uh, sometimes things come up that we need to really pay attention to. This is... Uh, a world in which we live in that is entangled in sin, and sometimes we as individuals become entangled in that world. And so we need to keep watch over that. Uh, to steer our ship, we, as a group, uh, all of our elders, and this group in particular, uh, we want to love, nourish, and teach others how to forgive. We need to forgive each other. And most of all, to teach us to be servants. And also work towards spiritual maturity and involvement and faithfulness. You know, if we're not involved, if we tend to drift off, then there's some real dangers uh, for our congregation here. And so we want to encourage others. We don't want to lose anybody. But most of all, let me say from our group, as well as all the elders, that we love you. And our hope for all of us is to do God's will. Thanks. Okay. And our next group is, um, what's the next group? I don't have my clicker with me. Preaching, Teaching, and Missions team, Ed Houston, Kirk Hawkins, and Steve Justice. Steve's going to talk. Okay. It's supposed to be two minutes each. I don't think that's working. Uh, I wanted to ask you what you got when you get two old Aggies and a Longhorn fan up here. 
And uh, I think the spiritual an- answer to that is being unequally yoked together. So <laughs> anyway, Ed Houston, and you'll hear about him, about sheep and stuff in a couple of weeks. Uh, Kirk Hawkins will be talking to you later on this morning. But uh, we're working with the preaching, teaching, and missions, and uh, we, uh, we really enjoy our assignment. Uh, you know, the preaching part of it, we're doing okay, I guess. <laughs> the best we can. I've got a mic, too. So. <laughs> Would you cut his off, please? <laughs> uh, teaching, uh, we are really blessed at Johnson Street to have many, many uh, wonderful adult teachers. Uh, really what we are needing or looking forward to is to having some more young uh, teachers or, or teachers for the youth and uh, Lois Powers does such a great job uh, with that and with the administration of that and uh, if you have any inclination into teaching and teaching the young children please uh, visit with Lois and uh, let her know that you're interested because she would love to have you. I think she's looking for somewhere around 170 uh, teachers, and that's a lot of teachers. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. And finally, missions. Uh, we work with missions and with the missions committee, and we are extremely excited uh, about missions at this uh, congregation. Uh, about a third of our budget uh, at Johnson Street goes to missions. Uh, we, uh, we feel that this is a mission-oriented congregation both local missions, Rush Street, etc., and our foreign missions uh, overseas. And uh, we just pray that you would continue to support us as we work with the Preaching, Teaching, and Missions Committee and that uh, great things continue to happen to this congregation uh, and to the Lord's work throughout the world. Thank you. Okay, and then finally, we have the Serving Others team, Brian Mahon, Dan Baker, and Don Horner. Two minutes. This is our Serving Others team. Um, I've got Brian Mahon and Don Horner. And Ed Houston double dips on the serving team with us. Thank goodness he is there with us. Um, There's two words that I see in the serving team uh, that comes up every time in our responsibilities. That's the serving and encouraging. And that's what the serving team does. That's what we are trying to do out there with the congregation is to make sure that we serve you in this congregation and that we meet your needs as a congregation to teach, to make sure that we have people in place, that we are mentoring those that want to serve this uh, congregation, that we try to do that. Also, the big important part of our uh, responsibility is to encourage, to encourage you to get involved, to encourage you to reach out to those in our congregation as we try to reach out to each one of you. So those are our responsibilities. Um, And, you know, the the elder group all 
are part of this serving group um, because we all are there to serve and we all are there to encourage. So this is our serving team. Thank you. I hope that was helpful for you in several ways to understand how our elders work and also, as I say, to put names with faces with with these guys because having two services, they don't all come to the same one and sometimes you don't know who they are, but that's good. I want to say two things in closing. One is this church has fantastic leadership amongst these men. I wish that you could sit in their meetings sometimes and especially if, if you've been in maybe other meetings with church leaders sometimes, <laughs> like some of us have, uh, you would be so grateful for the spirit that dominates this group, uh, the spirit of service, the spirit of love. They don't always agree with each other, but they always love each other, and they always love this church. And as they work through decisions and coming to a consensus of where we'll go and what we'll do, it's always hammered out uh, in love and, and in faithfulness to this church and to God, and I applaud them for that. The second thing is, if you're sitting there going, well, I came to church and I wanted to hear the gospel or something like that, and I heard about leadership, I hope you're impressed that we here at Johnson Street uh, really try to be a church that looks like one of those first century churches. As we read scripture, we do our best to understand what did they do, what was important to them, how were they organized, and how can we be that church translated now into our situation and into the 21st century. This is our goal, and in doing that, not just with our leadership, but with our mission and with what we preach and how we teach and how we love one another, then we try to be that same church that Christ gave his life for, that he shed his blood for, that we can be a church where salvation is found, where true encouragement is found, where you can be loved and you can love one another. And if you're looking for a church like that, if you want to give yourself to your Savior in a situation and in an environment of love such as here, then we encourage you to come. Let's stand and sing.